the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week, we'll be discussing Season 47, Episode 1 of SNL with host Owen Wilson and musical guest Casey Musgraves. I'm Catherine Coleman, and I'm joined this week by Steve Finn and John Murray. If you'd like to connect with any of us, you can do so at snlpodcast.com. Enjoy this full-length supporter-only version of this week's episode. And if you like what you see, you can find all of our unabridged ad-free video coverage of Saturday Night Live exclusively at patreon.com slash snlpodcast. It's our supporters that make this show possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. All right, here we go. Welcome, everybody. SNL Season 47 underway. I'm so excited to be back. I think we had a great premiere episode, a huge showing from uh, one in particular featured player, but also mm-hmm. the, the other two got, got a decent amount of screen time. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling really jazzed. You guys feeling good? Me too, Kat. I'm there with you. Absolutely <laughs> jazzed. and can't wait to talk about this one. It's going to be juicy. Yeah, we, we've had uh far more fumbly premieres like this this felt like you know pretty pretty solid ride for a premiere and uh didn't seem to suffer from a lot of the premiere jitters that we we sometimes see in the writing so uh aside from just the featured players so much to break down it's a, a big sprawling episode uh let's get to it yeah well uh up first a few news updates we sort of mm. Sort of learned some things since our preseason episode. So we learned that Ken Among, the longtime supervising producer, is no longer with the show. That's what Colin's little sign in the credits meant. Uh, we also learned that Don Roy King was still the director of this episode. So it turns out he's he's going to be retiring at some point during the season. He hasn't quite sailed his last uh, sea yet. <laughs> uh, but I believe that Liz is sort of shadowing him or observing right. him in some capacity before diving in. So uh, that'll be interesting to see how that handoff sort of slowly goes. You know, if, if her name starts popping up in the credits sporadically, uh, right. definitely interesting there. But the the big update is the writer's room. So in our mm-hmm. preseason coverage, they hadn't yet when we recorded it, they hadn't yet announced it. And then very shortly thereafter, they said, <laughs> we hired 10 new writers, which is um a huge number of new writers. I'd say usually it's between like one and three. I feel like uh, this is um, this is pretty big. So uh, another update is that Allison Gates is has been promoted to writing supervisor. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this is like her third season. So that's huge. She's definitely made a name for herself and like honed a very specific voice and clearly made an impact to the show. So big congrats to Allison. Um, yeah, there's those 10 new writers, among which is a popular sketch group called This May uh, Please Don't Destroy. Um, and these writers are all taking over spots that were left by Dan Licata, Gary Richardson, Fran Gillespie, and Sudi Green. Um, so yeah, a lot too. going on there. Sam J. Oh, Sam J. I too. I didn't catch that yeah. one. Okay. Sam J. Left. Interesting. Um, so yeah, a, a lot, a lot going on, and we'll definitely be talking about that as the season goes on, as far as uh, keeping tabs of who's written what sketches and how they're doing and. And seeing how they find their voices on the show and what they which what each of their kind of niches will be that's something that I personally really like to dive into as a writer. So uh, we'll be keeping tabs on those writing updates. I should hope so. Yeah, as we were going through last season, we were realizing the kind of the clear emergence of like Dan Beulah and uh, Stephen Castillo. Like there's there was a it seemed like there was a new uh, a new force uh, kind of coming up, maybe to challenge yeah. Mikey and Streeter or something. Um, I always love it when you start to believe that maybe there's another trend emerging and you start watching for it. It's just one of the many intriguing little rabbit trails you can go down with SNL. So uh, yeah, anytime there's big turnover and you know, there's going to be some, some fresh people coming to the top. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm always excited to just see, see the new voice, the, the new tone for the show. It's a great time to come in as a uh, new cast member as well. I mean, mm. you have 10 yep, new writers, writers that, that are yep. just as new Alliances. as you are. Mm-hmm. Yep. They have not, begun to build their partnerships they're still feeling out who they work best with there's just a lot of availability for people to work uh together and make a splash and from what we see in this first episode i mean a splash was made for some of the new people all right well let's get into the show you ready let's do it absolutely all right for the cold open james austin johnson's biden unsuccessfully attempts to unite the democratic party on the infrastructure bill 
Steve, how'd you feel about this cold open? Expectations subverted. They were <laughs> over here, and uh, this is what happened somewhere over here. Uh, made me think about, you know, Jay Farrow and the process they went through to bring him on as Obama. Uh, you know, they hired him and had him on for a couple of years before they made that switch. And it was a big thing with the baton passing from Fred Armisen. It seemed like they really needed him to prove himself before they gave that role to him. And now, cut to present day, we have a brand new guy, very first episode, <laughs> making headlines by uh, taking on the role of the president on his very first episode, the very first seconds of the show. Uh, I've never seen so much trust put in someone so new. And I guess that goes to show, uh, you know, how well he must be doing and and how much promise he showed when when he he became on their radar uh but that's the main takeaway for me you know we can talk about how this was a great cold open you know thematically uh they stuck to the theme of you know the division within the democratic party and everything they drew from circled around that so it felt cohesive but obviously we just got to be talking about james and Mm -hmm. uh just how amazing he was yeah i mean of of course, James is the story here, but like you said, Steve, like I think it is important and great to note that uh, th- this didn't have a lot of the problems that we've historically complained about in the cold open. And, you know, it was it was clear, it was straightforward, it wasn't you know a circle of people coming in and out. It, you know, it was it knew what it was and it stuck to that, and I really appreciated that. Yeah. But yeah, James Austin Johnson's the story here. You know, I and I know you just talked about it. I know John's probably going to talk about it. That that's what this was about, you know, for for people who follow the show, we've said this a lot. It's like following a sports team, right? So like season 47, the first shot being a featured player is like seeing and I did watch college football right before SNL. So that's why I'm here. But uh, (laughs) it's like seeing the freshman QB that you've sort of heard about and you're excited to see come out in the first game and then like dodge two defenders and throw a touchdown (laughs) in the very first play. And you're like. Oh, like this is, this is exhilarating. This is why people watch sports, right? Like that's what this feels like to people like us. Like we're just so excited. And I think it, this was just great foreshadowing for the amazing night that James Austin Johnson was going to go on to have. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I was feeling really, really good about this cold open. John, uh, where are you on it? So I think it was a safe and competent cold open as far as their political fare goes. You guys are right. It, a lot of the stuff that they usually suffer from meandering storylines, too many players, celebrity cameos, none of that's there. So it's, you know, it's, it's more satisfying than some. Um, but it, it was pretty like tip, tepid political commentary. Um, but still, you know, well presented and the jokes were clear and moderately funny as far as I was concerned. So I had no problem with it, but this is obviously, like you said, Catherine completely buoyed by the amusement of not only seeing a really competent Biden, uh, the, okay. The best Biden they've had on the show ever. I, he's going to wear the mantle. This is a, a Hammond level event that we just saw. Um, so for that, you can't help, but be extra engaged and enthused by it. Um, and yeah, just yeah. the fact that it's James first time out there. And as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, okay, how great has the last month of his life been where he knows that this moment is going to happen. He knows the day he knows the time he knows he's got the gig. He knows he has to tighten up that impression. He knows he's got to head into the city in three weeks or whatever. And he knows I can't tell anyone. So this is what <laughs> he's been living. You know, the, maybe, you know, the, the, the most, um, fun and anxiety inducing feeling for a whole month. Um, so that's where my mind goes. I I'm there thinking, Oh, you know, nobody in New York is having a better night than that guy right there. And, uh, (laughs) he, he totally nailed it. And the few times where maybe he flubbed a line, just made it more Biden esque. So like, this is the impression that you can't lose with. Like he, he could totally stumble through an entire sketch and never hit a marker or cue. And, uh, you'd still think that it was the most spot on Biden you ever saw. So, um, I think he slipped right in the (laughs) role. I think it was a huge win for him. And overall it was pretty standard fare for a political cold. And also just a quick shout out to how they decided to portray Joe Manchin. So like the, Mm. uh, like the, the joke about water, like, I don't like the taste. I just think that was really funny. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, that that's the cold open. Let's keep going. In the monologue, Owen Wilson encourages us to just close our eyes and dream. While he does, I don't know, maybe a great show. <laughs> and uh, yeah, John, how are you landing on the monologue? Well, he came out with all the energy of a golden retriever sleeping by a campfire. <laughs> what was it? What was the, the line? Uh, the fireplace. By a fireplace. By a fireplace. <laughs> yeah. So um, he he didn't rope me in right from the get-go. Like I, I feel like there was a, a lot of sort of very easy, simple um, pandering material. Like, yeah, there's my brothers. and <laughs> But by the end of it, when he started just leaning into who he is, and just kind of expressing that um, with his offhand remarks, um, you know, about stepping into um, uh, Daniel Day Lewis's uh, boots, you know, when he retired and having to that motivating him to go do Cars Four, or whatever. I think from about there on, I was really enjoying it. By the end of it, he was so fully in like lackadaisical slacker mode that I, I, I like genuinely believed him when he said he didn't know if it was going to be a good show, but he just wants everyone to dream. Um, that I thought worked. I, I thought, I thought it got there and I was having fun with them, even though I, I felt it was a little, little tepid out of the gate. Okay. Well, uh, you know, that's interesting because the things you weren't feeling were sort of the things that I liked about it, actually. Uh, okay. So like the, the story about, about his dad, actually, I found really charming. I, I I liked that a lot. I thought they weaved a nice little story together there for him, you know, from from the dad to the reviews and all that. Um, okay. And right. you know, he seemed really comfortable and in command. I thought Owen had great timing. Um, he he left me feeling good and confident for the episode to come, and that's really the best thing I can say about a monologue. Uh, Steve, did you think it was a winner? Yeah, I I did think it was a winner. Not really uh, something to surprise you with. Anybody who follows Owen Wilson's career is gonna agree with the laid back persona bit. And yeah, I thought some of his self-deprecating humor was the best way to go. And even like comparing himself to his brothers and, and uh, you know, how he went to so many colleges and things like that. It was just playing into how we already take Owen in. So uh, I think that's the best thing to do with someone who's just had such a long career is to, you know, just extend that persona into the jokes. We know the guy, uh, Let's let's relate it to that. All right. So so a little bit more mixed on the monologue, but let's get into our sketches. The hosts of the talking get their COVID test results live on air. <laughs> and um, this is apparently a parody of something that actually happened on The View recently. And okay. weirdly, I have to say, I think I like this sketch more before learning that. Mm. Um because at first I was, I just thought this is fun and a little random with, you know, good depictions of the types of people on these shows. Right. Um, right. But once I found out about that, I just had a lot of questions, mainly like, <laughs> why didn't they just do the view? Like we know they right. have the view set. They've done the view mm -hmm. before. Um, so I found that a little head scratching, but that said it is fun. And I, I do, I did really like how they chose to heighten it by having the doctor try to be like more discreet about it. Like I thought that was really creative. Um, and I loved the justification of the HIPAA rule being, we have to tell nobody or everybody. Um, <laughs> right. that was, that's really fun. Um, so, so yeah, I was, I was pretty warm on it live, but on the rewatch had some questions. Sure. Steve, where did you land on it? Well, yeah, I, you're filling me in on the whole backstory here, uh, uh, as we speak. So up until now, I was looking at it as, hey, this is like if The View was produced by Willy Wonka. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just had fun with the chaotic uh, tennis match of, of topics and, and uh, uh, harsh words <laughs> for, uh, between certain co-hosts. Yeah, how did I? You have a lot of debt. How did I? You have a lot of debt. You have a lot of debt. You know, Cecily and 80 was probably my favorite bit. Uh, slightly reminded me of the old Sarah Michelle Geller episode, uh, where she played Will Ferrell's daughter in a sketch. And, uh, there was a lot of repeating, uh, uh, arguments, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun sketch overall. John, any closing thoughts? I don't have anything brilliant to say. I, I had seen the view clip where they take the two of them, them off live on air. And that that raises a lot of questions in and of itself. So I can see that being a good starting point for the the sketch. The sketch obviously goes in its own direction. I don't know why they didn't do the view either. Um, so uh, 
I, I think there were good jokes here, but I don't think this was an exceptional opener. Like I had fun with it, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It, it just, it just didn't seem potent enough for what I would have wanted from an opener or it, it just, uh, I don't know. It, it didn't leave me fully satisfied, but I did enjoy the idea of them goofing on how utterly um, unnecessary it would ever be to, you know, pull people live off air over a COVID test that, that obviously that's, that's ridiculous in reality. So where do you go from there? Um, and so, you know, for the doctor to be even more invasive and, and all the rest of it, um, there, there's like you're already there. all exposed to each other at this point. So. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> so there, there's something there and, uh, it, it's great that they, they went for it. I just, I, I don't know. I would have liked to see it go even further or just there was, like I said, there's something unsatisfying about it, but what they did was still fun and amusing. So I don't know, moderate thumbs up, I guess for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, one thing worth noting for me is like I said, when I watched it live, I was really having more fun with it than I've, I've let on. Uh, (laughs) so as far as the the show roller coaster, I'm still feeling pretty good, uh, going into our next sketch. Uh, quick question though. Uh, HPV keeps you from being on TV, but what about YouTube? YouTube's totally fine. Yeah. No standards okay. on YouTube. Okay. Then we can Even keep we going. can be there. Perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Up next. All right. Well, now streaming on Paramount Plus, Star Trek Ego Quest, the story of Bezos in space with a cameo from Luke Wilson. <laughs> Steve, I take it you're enjoying this one. Tell us about it. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I just decided to take in the purple mood lighting that we have all come to <laughs> recognize, mm-hmm. but I did enjoy it. And, this was a perfect upping of what is already the story uh, that, you know, these billionaires who became all the more richer within a pandemic are now taking these victory laps in space to rub it in our faces. I mean, that's what it is. So, yeah, this sketch where they're doing that, uh, going on joy rides and, and treating it like, you know, uh, people in, in a frat fraternity or, or something you know it's uh it's just that extra bit of salt uh in the wound that this already feels like just the real story feels like this so it's right. a perfect direction to go and it's always fun to see these impressions i still prefer Catherine's uh elon musk over mikey's mikey's felt a little <laughs> bit still that's that's the stillest i've ever seen uh uh elon you know Catherine, <laughs> Catherine, you got all the mannerisms and movements down and Every yeah, when I was watching Mikey, that's all I could think about is he's like, You're standing a little too still for Elon Musk. Uh, one more thing, uh, I really enjoyed the visuals because they were done very rushed, and I think they kept some of that cheap looking charm of the old Star Trek series. Yeah, this one, this was this was fun. I, I guess my, my biggest take home on it was I get that they they want to comment on all the things that happened over the summer. Right. And I don't fault them for that. You know, it can be really fertile territory and it's a, it's what they do. Right. Like for instance, you know, Cuomo in the cold open, even though he was completely unnecessary, it didn't bother me. Cause I was like, yeah, I mean, that was the thing that happened. We're going to address it. That's fine. Um, but this one for some reason just feels a little too late for me in some ways. Like I've seen a handful of sketches about it already. So I didn't think this was a high point of the night, but that said, I thought it was really well produced. Um, and I thought the take of using Star Trek specifically to take on Musk, uh, not Musk, uh, Bezos in space, uh, was a really fun spin on it. Uh, and they found creative ways to, to bring in all those details, like having, you know, having Branson and Musk actually in space to talk to him. It was a good mm-hmm. move. Um, the way they chose to incorporate how Amazon treats their employees was creative. And by having him throw that Gatorade bottle and then Keenan, it, there was a there was a pause before Keenan said, I'm not going to pee in this. And it allowed mm-hmm. that joke to just be a little bit more subtle for a second. So I really applaud the editors on that one because it allowed it to just sink in. And you sort of went, oh, and then Keenan gave you that punchline, which I thought was a really good move. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm not disliking this. Like, I think it's a good sketch. It's just not the most uh, fresh sketch for me as someone who follows a lot of sketch comedy and has kind of seen this topic in particular tackled a few times. Uh, John, uh, how'd you feel? Well, I think if you don't have the baggage of already seeing this commented on, uh, in sketch form, uh, it probably feels a little more fresh. Uh, I didn't feel yeah, that, you know, they're overused their, their sci-fi goofs or something. And 
Yeah, I mean, uh, all of SNL's audience is not me. So. Right, right. Um, <laughs> I thought I thought it was perfectly good. It, it's not a pre-tape for the books, but it was fun. It was a, a fun idea, well explored. Bring in Richard Branson, clever. Um, yeah, I, I, they packed in. I think everything I'd want them to say about this topic as a Star Trek spoof. Like at the end of it, I wasn't thinking, "Oh, okay, that just kind of failed to launch," or like they should have gone elsewhere. I felt like that was the appropriate ride. So it. I feel it just kind of, you know, all rounded itself out well. And the ground that they covered was, was perfect for that kind of material. Yeah. Overall, overall, I think, I think we all enjoyed it. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was a win. So let's keep going. Let's do it. Owen Wilson comes in to record some lines from Cars 4, but he is concerned about some of these character choices. <laughs> yes. <Ka-chow>! <laughs> <laughs> uh This one was really, really fun. Um, I remember being, you know, because they had a version of this with JJ Watt where he was recording uh, his voiceover for like one of the EA games, I think. And I remember being a little bit more lukewarm on that one, but this one had so much more energy and was just paced really well. I just, I can't tell you enough how much I loved it. Uh, The game's so clear. I love how all those character choices for, uh, the car lightning McQueen just kept compounding on each other. So he's a predator. Then he's accusing the judge of a witch hunt. Now he's using the R word. Like those were just really great moves. Um, and yeah, I had a really good time and another standout moment from James Austin, uh, Johnson with Larry, the cable guy, uh, mm-hmm. John, were you is feeling this one as much as I was? Yeah. I, I think you basically said everything I wanted to hit on. Um, so I'll just, that's I'll just um, th- throw another attaboy uh, towards James Austin. Is that how, how are we going to do this? Is he James? Is he James Austin? Is he Jadge? What, yeah, what are we Austin doing? Does Austin go with Johnson or does Austin go with James? Couldn't yeah. tell you. So anyways, James he goes by Jimmy. This is uh, the second big like front and center. He steals the scene moment for him. And we're not even to update. And uh, I'm feeling re- really good about my boy James right now. I'm, I think he's having a good night. Uh, obviously, we see that that continues throughout. But um, yeah, I, that that to me is the highlight. Not only all the things you said that, um, you know, it was clear, it was fun, it was well explored, had good energy. But I love seeing our featured players hit the ground running. And uh, now I'm keeping score. Now I'm saying, oh, okay, right. He's he's the one to beat. He's the one that's impressing. So uh, yeah, good showing from James. For sure. Steve, similar thoughts? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, something I wanted to just work out in my own mind, uh, watching this, you ever, you know, that, the, that feeling like when someone stops punching you in the face and it feels really good. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> the, the relief of, you know, I think that's pain called going shock. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, okay. that's what I was feeling watching the sketch and I loved it because they, masterfully restored your comfort levels uh mm. whenever they took you out of the wholesome pixar uh uh world and right. throw you into this new uh problematic lightning queen uh i loved it because they they'd show you a glimpse of this behavior that is uh new to the character and then you know they'd pull it back after owen would protest and then you get a couple more lines uh, that are normal. Yeah, the mm-hmm. normal Pixar lines. And it, it brings your comfort back. And you're like, okay, this is familiar cars. And then they bring it back. But every time they bring it back, it's a little bit bigger. So it's a quite a roller coaster. That's what I mean with like someone's punching you in the face and then they stop. You're like, oh, that feels good. <laughs> Steve, I don't think that's the universal experience that you think it is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But any, I think anybody can relate to the feeling of pain ending. <laughs> That's, mm-hmm. sure. that's all I'm this trying is, to say. This is you know, if you guys metaphor. were more supportive, my metaphors <laughs> would work better. If y'all were just saying, I don't I'm, know, Steve, that's that's weird. I I, I can picture it. It's it's working. It, it's I'm an piecing metaphor. together some puzzles of Steve's past now. Also, um, this, also this feels true, patronizing. Yeah. Okay. But, but yeah, so, so good sketch. Yeah. Okay. Up next. A parade of idiots comes through the local school board meeting to raise concerns about COVID, race issues, and where in the hell is Brian Laundry? <laughs> uh, so, first of all, I will ad- I-, I will admit, and I, I am going to let someone else go first, but I, I just want to say that I was wrong because on the last episode I said 
if there's that many people in the cast, we're only going to see half of them. Um, and this sketch uh, had eight, all 18 present non-Weekend Update cast members in it. So I was wrong. I apologize. And I will be leaving after this episode. Um, Steve, what did you make of this sketch? The only honorable thing to do. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this one. I just enjoy any opportunity in this vein where you can see a lot of different crazy characters because I like how SNL dials into the recognizable randomness of actual crazy people. The people that you see uh, in an alley that you wish you could help if, <laughs> if you had more time and money. Uh, these, uh, these random uh, characteristics that are weird and off-putting and maybe you've never seen it before, but the example that they go with is recognizable and, and you can relate to it. Whatever your own brand of crazy is in your hometown. I think they, I, th I think they just know how to dial into that strange mindset. So a lot of these crazy characters uh, um, feel like someone that would pop up in a, a setting like this. Now this sketch, uh, you know, I enjoy it on the same level as a lot of those uh, city hall uh, beatings in in Parks and Rec. If you ever watched that show, <laughs> right. uh, really, really similar to that. Sure, uh, I like this one a lot. Uh, I think it's a really fun premise because we know that only crazy people actually go to school board meetings, right? right. Um, <laughs> and I, I even used to be a teacher. I I never show up to that. Um, but I, I really, I really respect the writers continue to as this goes on continue to find unique things for each character to be on about um while being grounded in the sense that like this is accurate things that these types of people will spew out so i i found that that really funny and to me the two standout characters were heidi and ego's characters so heidi was upset about critical race theory despite not knowing what it yeah. is and that felt very accurate to my uh alabama upbringing and uh Ego was just excellent as the voice of reason in this. Alex did great too, but Ego really, really stood out to me. Um, so yeah, I had I had fun with this one. Uh, John, any any last thoughts? Um, I just wonder if it was intentional. Uh, this is the premiere. We've got some new cast members. In the same way that SNL sometimes gets a little sentimental and does sort of like a send off sketch at the end of a, a season that's like a full cast sketch, and they all you know get their. 15 seconds. I wonder if maybe this was intentionally thrown in so that no matter where you rank in the cast, kind of everybody just gets their moment. Um, mm -hmm. I wonder. So if that was the case, I think that's fun and appropriate for premiere. Otherwise, uh, you know, even though some of the, the crazy on display is uh, I'm, I'm sure there's some truth there. It's on point. There wasn't a whole lot here that I was getting excited about. And I, I think what's happening with me with this show is that everything is just kind of getting over. But there's nothing that's just like really wowed me and made me say, oh, wow, what a brilliant moment from SNL. And that might be a little bit too much to ask. Um, but I just I feel like uh, so far in the show, I just we haven't had some some high highs and this continued that trend. And so for that coming out of it again, I'm just starting to feel a little like I need a, a jolt in the arm. I need I need a bit more out of this episode. I don't know. Again, marginal win. Interesting. All right. So so mixed mixed reviews there. Um, fascinating. Uh, let's move on to our musical performances. Casey Musgraves <laughs> performs Justified and Camera Roll. Steve, what do you think of Casey? I have similar feelings as I did the last time she was on the show, uh, which was the first time I had ever heard her. So, yeah, she is consistent. I'll give her that. She has a voice that sounds almost too good in a live setting. Like, she's pitch perfect, and every note every uh syllable she sings is as if it was labored over <laughs> for hours in the studio and she can just produce that uh on stage with with if she makes it look easy i know it's not with ease but <laughs> it, it certainly looks that way and uh yeah her songs are competent they're poppy and recognizable but not in such a a way that it's been done before completely. Like it's, it's still original. And, uh, you know, I feel like I never heard those songs before. And one thing you'll notice when you listen to her sing, you can pick out every word. Uh, you don't need to look up the lyric sheets. She's, <laughs> she's not a mumbler in any sense. <laughs> she's one of the most clearest, most 
articulated singers I've ever heard. And it's almost off-putting how how easy it is to just listen to the lyrics. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Casey Musgraves fan. Uh, both of these sort of stripped down performances her last album i think had a little more pop to it than these two songs do uh but this stripped down performance was very welcome for me this is really up my alley this is the kind of music i really like to listen to sort of acoustic singer songwritery stuff um it you know your girl loves a heartbreak song that's why i'm a swifty uh so yeah casey i think she got divorced in like the last year or so uh so she seems to have gotten some good material here Camera roll in particular really spoke to me. Like I'm very familiar with that feeling that she is, you know, speaking to there of knowing like if I go to look at a picture from a certain time period, I'm going to scroll past some other things that I don't really want to see. It's going to make me feel sad, but also I don't want to delete them because then they're just gone. And it's, it's a whole thing and it sounds sort of silly, but it, it's something that like it's a very real feeling and I related to it just instantly as she was singing about it. So I really loved it. That song really stood out to me as yeah. one that will definitely be in my rotation. Um, What's yeah, the line? You don't heal in a straight line. Something yeah, like, that was one of them. Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. Like healing doesn't happen in a straight line. Yeah. Very accurate. That's what my therapist says all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, John, I'm, I'm sensing maybe a different school. take from you. Uh, I just, I wish it moved me the way it moved you. I I'm, I'm listening to you explain how, you know, this just, totally affected you so deeply to your core and uh, yeah I, I didn't i didn't get much from it uh that way um like you said steve i, I think she's got <laughs> Still a beautiful just wait voice. for healthy eh? <laughs> yes uh next week right <laughs> um she she does have a beautiful voice and everything about this super duper competent i just because i wasn't really caring too much about the lyrics and the, you know the the story being told um, the songs themselves are just a little boring. You know, they're, they're well-crafted. Um, they're sentimental, they're heartfelt, but if, if that's not what you're looking for, if you're looking for something with a bit more energy or just something to, to rouse me, um, this, this wasn't doing it. Uh, and, and again, back to my theme, I'm still waiting in this show for something to just really wow me. And unfortunately, Casey Musgraves wasn't the, the act that was going to turn it around tonight. I know when Wilson hosted episode and you're waiting for a while. I know. <laughs> oh wow Did yes everything wow wow uh well interesting I, I feel like john and i are on opposite roller coasters on this episode because i've i've been feeling pretty warm on everything uh including casey and you know i, I get it if, if you weren't feeling the sketches going into that like yeah it's two kind of downer songs so yeah you're not gonna you're not gonna give if you, you're not gonna give it the same joy that you would because you want right. You want a pop star in that moment exactly. when you when the sketches haven't roused you. You're like, let's get a, let's get a rock show up here. Let's get Katy Perry mm-hmm. up here. Let's get something that has some energy to it. So I, I understand that. Uh, but very That's interesting how, exactly how we're all on, we're all on yeah. different journeys, you know. <laughs> all right, well, let's get into weekend update for their lead in. Jost and Shay highlight the differences between this year and last. And then they discuss the ever exciting infrastructure plan. <laughs> John, did Weekend Update give you a win? Uh, I was glad to see that the guys were in top form. I thought they did really good with the material. It, it wasn't fumbly. It wasn't like you didn't feel any jitters for them. They both knew their roles. They were back. Chase looking a little pudgy, but uh, that's okay. You know, we all have our COVID fifteen or whatever. Um, yeah, he said yeah, it's super posted about it. Yeah, yeah. So it was just it was good to see them. You know, still be able to do the job and. Um, you always wonder, like, are you going to tune into weekend update and just like be over the hosts and, you know, maybe have three or four more years of them before, you know, like you get someone fresh. Uh, I just don't feel like I've had enough of these guys that I need to see someone new at the desk. And so it's nice to come back to another season and just feel reassured that weekend updates in good shape. Yeah. Well, for what it's worth, Colin, even without the lead up, I thought your bridge joke was really good. I, I loved that joke. Uh, you didn't have to apologize for it, but, um, Mm -hmm. no, this was a really strong outing. Nothing missed for me. They're in peak form. They've been here. They're coming up on being the longest, not the longest, but longer than Seth Meyers, I think, Mm -hmm. or is that the longest? Uh, no, I've been here a long time. Uh, so, you know, they're always in good form. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I don't have much to say other than all the jokes landed and I was laughing. Steve, uh, where'd you land? I landed along with those jokes, which uh, landed well. Landed. They did. Uh, It was uh, more of an advertisement to me than an apology that 
they were going to be moving away from all that crazy stuff they've been doing the last couple of years. I warmly welcome infrastructure jokes. Right. And uh, I look forward to more jokes about a president that's a goofball, that a president that's a freaking menace. You know, it's it's uh, it's humor that's funny for funny's sake. Not, not because it's necessary, because we're all so depressed that we need it. I just want to be in a good place and laugh in my good place because hey, we deserve it, whether we're doing okay or not. I would have liked to see Che keep up with the British accent he's been trying to do on uh, <laughs> on Instagram. It's not an accent. That's just how he talks, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. He's, you know, he lives with Ice Cube or Ice T or whoever it was. <laughs> <laughs> and Hugh Grant. Uh, but anyway, now I'm rambling. So I'll simply <laughs> well, uh, wrap up there and yeah. move on. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. It was a solid outing. Jost and Shay are pros. These jokes are on fire. Uh, let's talk about these features. Yeah. We found her. A woman who has been missing for 10 <laughs> years turns up on update to tell us everything wrong with how they handled her case. And I loved it. So Ego was incredible. Just She's such a star. She's just so good at everything. Um, I think this is such a great premise and heightening it with all the different ways that her case was handled differently than the white woman's case were great so like first it's it's the picture then it's the poster then it's the newspaper uh that was creative i really liked that and i mean also it's obviously a little bit sad um yeah. but this felt just really sharp and performed excellently uh steve were you impressed with this outing 100 percent, absolutely first of all i love the whole premise and how impossible it is how do you book a missing woman as your guest <laughs> on a show? Like, <laughs> what do you call her up? To, can, you, can you come out of hiding? Uh, yeah, it's it's just like something that could never happen, and uh, that's the beauty of sketch comedy is that you just <laughs> buy this stuff. Ego was amazing because she's outlining something that is actually what people of color have to deal with. People mm-hmm. who are as privileged as the three of us. Uh, might think that racism is is someone screaming the n-word in your face but it's so much more systemic than that it's you know uh how media choose to chooses to cover things and because it's so subtle people are able to deny it and what she's doing here is taking something very real only the the headlines are changed to just be a little bit more ridiculous you know like family cool with it she probably i you know all that stuff uh Obviously, you don't read that in the paper, but the point she's making is very real. So I really like this as a comedic backdoor to a real issue and get people thinking about it in a way that's just not as obvious until a comedian puts an amazing spin on it like this. Sure. Uh, John, do you enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah, very much. Um, <laughs> I I wasn't thinking quite as much about the social import as, as Steve. Um, I was just thinking about friend of the show, Dave Buckman, who runs uh sketch fest in Austin, Texas. Oh, um, Dave, yes. I think like four years ago, right when, right when Ego was just fresh on the show, um, he booked her to headline one of his festivals and she did like a 45 minute one woman show. And I remember him telling me after him seeing that performed, um, that she had like just a, a deep bench of, of ratchet women characters. And he said, if she could ever just figure out how to spin those up for the show, she'd be unstoppable. And looking back now at last season, I think that's when the floodgates open. I think that's when she really had a good breakout at the desk and, and kind of found her voice or her gear for that. And then you had a couple other characters that she was able to debut. And here we are on the premiere, the yeah, show. She finally got confident. that Disney mom character on. <laughs> exactly. Um, the, the show has the confidence in her that that's what makes it through on the premiere. Um, so I think it just says a lot about her really finding her groove at the show. And hopefully that means we're, we're set for another good season with Ego. And uh, that's encouraging. So I, I really enjoyed it for that. For sure. Uh, there was also a little Easter egg where uh, the, the missing photo of Ego looked to me like it was maybe a selfie she took when she was in mm. costume for the Discover ad parody last season yes. or the season before could be yeah uh, the uh the fun. us uh yeah mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. now her teeth were way too curved 
for that not to be photoshopped, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Please yeah, put yeah. my mind at ease. Okay. Yeah, that was definitely doctored. And- I didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, look at the smile. Her teeth like literally go <laughs> like yeah. the Joker. Okay, I'll have to take take a closer look. Well, let's talk about Fancy Boy Pete Davidson here to regale us with his tale of the Met Gala. John, how'd you feel about it? It was good. It's Pete doing what Pete does. It's fun for him to take the sort of like celebrity skewering thing that he does sometimes. Uh, so I call it like his David Spade impression where they do a, you know, a headshot of a celebrity and he like mocks them. Um, it's fun for him to turn that on himself and his mm-hmm. family and, and, you know, like get some laughs out of being willing to be the butt of his own jokes. Um, I thought that's fun. That's, uh, that's something maybe fresh that we, well, I guess Pete always talks about his life in a way, but this was just a really nice lighthearted, uh, Pete talking mm-hmm. about Pete content. Um, and I thought it worked. I thought it worked really well. So this, this was fun, lighthearted and came and went pretty quick, which I think helped. Yeah. This was a good, good Pete segment. Uh, mm-hmm. like you said, him, him sort of lampooning himself like he does the other celebrities. It was really fun. Um, yeah. and it's nice to see Pete, you know, in such a good place. Uh, I had a great time with it. Not much to say other than I laughed. You know, it was, it was good. <laughs> Steve, any final thoughts? <laughs> well, it was. I mean, you could just copy and paste everything you guys said, put it under my name. I'd agree with all that. Uh, Fortunately, that's not how podcasts work, but. <laughs> oh, sure. uh, go ahead. <laughs> Darn it. Uh, this was, uh, I guess it's okay. Like, it's the first episode back from summer. Uh, I think any other uh, context, you know, that disparity of time might be a little too wide to do something about it. You know, it, it was, uh, what, like a month ago that Met Gala happened? Yeah, but anyway, like it's something that ha- happened over the summer, so it's okay. Uh, yeah, this was standard Pete Fair, and obviously had all the self-deprecating humor and uh, and and all that that you would expect. I thought some of those uh, some of those self jabs were comedically astute, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, we we we've summed it up saying this is serviceable and enjoyable, but it's it's very standard Pete material. And I imagine we're in sort of a similar place where if you're feeling good, this is like, yeah, this is fine. You keep feeling pretty good. If you're maybe feeling lower, this mm-hmm. you're like, this is this is just fine. Well, weekend update, pretty solid. Let's keep going to the back half of the show. For Miriam's funeral, LaVar B. Burton has bust in to perform her favorite song. But hold on. Is this R. Kelly? <laughs> Steve, oh. how'd you feel about it? Oh, don't, don't ask me. Um, I don't know about this. It feels tone deaf in a sense because, okay, let's, let's break this down a bit. You have R. Kelly songs featured in this sketch. That's mm-hmm. yeah. It's clearly against R. Kelly. And, and it, there's a very strong voice there that says we don't like R. Kelly, but they're still paying for the royalties for R. Kelly songs to put in their sketch. Uh, Do they have to pay the royalties since they didn't use the actual music and they did their own rendition of it? I don't know how that works. Were the lyrics changed? I mean, the melody was definitely not changed. And that is definitely yeah. one thing you'd have to change. The licensing is probably less since they didn't use the actual music, but I don't know. You're not going to see it in, in reruns. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you'd see it online. But yeah, there was business that had to be attended to to procure R. Kelly music. So I don't care what point you're trying to make you're still enabling the the output and content of of this man you're supposedly saying uh you're against and i just thought we were you know past that i don't yeah, know i think i think that's a fair criticism i think that's fair uh we'll we'll see we'll see how that plays out because i know that that point was was raised on online as well so i don't know maybe they'll address it in some way but uh okay. that was actually not my main problem <laughs> with this sketch uh i thought this one was okay my problem is that even though i sort of ended up having fun with it it was really really slow to start um and then even once he ended up singing i didn't piece together what was wrong with it because i always forget that that's an r kelly song yeah like my 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 brain ignition r kelly (laughs) i believe i can fly like the association just hasn't connected in my brain and you know that that's a me problem that's not a the sketch problem but nonetheless it was another minute of me trying to figure out what the game of this was you know right. what what's happening here it was it was just a slow start 
And once I was let in on it, I had, I enjoyed it, especially the pictures, like heightening, you know, having Heidi with saluting Bill Cosby and mm-hmm. hanging out with Kevin Spacey. I thought that was a really fun move. Like I was really enjoying that. Uh, I just wish that we could have gotten into it faster and thus gone further with it. Um, so that's, that, that, that's my chief complaint. Uh, John, what's yours? <laughs> Uh, I don't think it was really all that even. I think your, your criticisms are fair. Um, I did have, have fun with it though. Um, (laughs) but I think I can get a lot of mileage out of a sketch that, um, plays upon people's discomfort in, in a scene. I, I, I always find that really fun. And so this immediately took me back to that Scarlett Johansson, Keenan Thompson funeral sketch where they're singing a bunch of like house hits. Um, right that because the 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 guy who died had like a secret life as a as a club performer um those kind of i don't know i i think i think hijinks at a funeral is just always a recipe for a win yeah for for a second i thought it was they were going to bring back the funeral djs yeah the harry styles episode um and i was very very excited about that uh but obviously that's not what it turned out to be so Mm. you know it is what it is all right well moving right along The NFL on Fox is running promotions for Crazy House, Fox's newest family comedy premiering Thursday. Crazy House, home is where the cray-cray slay. Uh, John, how did you feel about this one? Uh, Unqualified win. I I really, really enjoyed this. Um, I'll let you guys pick apart James Austin's next uh, breakout performance. Um, But suffice to say, I thought he did a great announcer character um and really held the sketch up but just kind of funny that the the cryons are kind of the quizzical factor the thing that's raising your eyebrow um i like that i i like trying to unravel the mystery of what this insane show is um and a little bit of uh shades of sedacus's and will forte's espn guys that always have to hawk products mid uh commentary um so i don't know a lot a lot going on here that i thought was working this felt like a very snl esque sketch and uh thought it was well delivered so across the board had a lot of fun with it fair enough this one a little more middle of the road for me um i thought james austin johnson was great uh another really good performance from him uh but the premise to me i don't know i guess it feels a little bit more suited for like a one minute sort of tiktok than a three minute sketch um i appreciate that how they how they did like heighten it. You know, the show got increasingly more complex. I thought they were creative with it, but overall, I just don't know how much steam it had. Um, Mm. But again, I mean, that's just, if I have to come up with a critique for it, that that's it. It's not that I didn't have fun with this. Like I'm still really enjoying this episode. Um, And I I was laughing a lot, especially the the thing that had the most mileage for me was the recurring joke of let's not guess. That, yeah, yeah. That, I was really, really enjoying that part. Um, so yeah, this that was the highlight for me. Uh, this sketch is not the top of the show, but it's not bad. You know, I'm 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 still enjoying it for sure. Uh, okay. Steve, you gonna split the difference here? Or? Yeah, I love this sketch because of the the story within a story. You know, we're directly watching football, but the story here is the unfolding mystery of what the hell crazy house is. Mm -hmm. I just love the little performances in the corner and it was great Mm -hmm. to see Sarah down there uh, doing her thing. And uh, Chloe was great as well. And then they threw in that weird puppet and even just the discussion of what the puppet's name was. It was all really (laughs) great. And I don't watch football. I don't know how much they're exaggerating, but I, I guess this is something a sports fan can relate to where they, they cut to these sp- spots whenever they have a, a moment. And yeah, maybe I guess it's, it's a little more frequent than some people would like. Yeah. So this, this fun stuff here. Um, like you said, I, the things in the corner were great. It actually, Sarah looks so different in that long wig. It mm-hmm. took me a while to be like, wait, who, who is that? Is that her? No, that can't. Who? Yeah. Um, uh, but it, once I did piece it together, I was like, oh, that was fun. You know, we talked a little in the preseason about how we were worried she was maybe scary, but she seemed very pleasant in that moment. <laughs> Let's dive in to Sarah's performance a little more with our 10 to 1. You can mail your poop right on into Robinson's mail-in stool testing. They promise they will not play around with it. Steve, maybe. Uh, how'd you feel about maybe. this one? Where are you yeah, we'll, play a little, we'll play a little bit. Uh, I loved it. 
I really liked it. And this is what I love in sketch comedy. Uh, a, a whole other world where the rules are different. And I love the miniature world build, building that happens in every little sketch that is uh, quirky and weird like this one. Because the thing, like, these guys come out and they give a, a reading for their commercial and then the director has all these notes. And then <laughs> immediately after he's giving them notes, they have a whole other script to go by. <laughs> <laughs> With graphics. With graphics and everything, just ready to go. And, you know, it's, uh, that's just the miniature world building of, of being in a world where you can have that stuff just made uh, out of your mind, basically. So I, I, I love the creativity and imagination of it. I love seeing Sarah have a, a moment. I love seeing Aristotle have some, some time there. And uh, I mean, it's a little bit uncomfortable. Not everybody likes to get that close to toilet humor, but I don't know. It was, there was a certain charm to it that, that kept me at a safe distance from the gross out factor of talking about playing with excrement. Yeah. I mean, to that point, I, I would not have thought I'd like this as much as I did. Hmm. Uh, but they, they kept surprising me with just like how bad they would be at this commercial and the ways they would be bad at this commercial. And then the more I learned about what they do with this stool and just, it was really fun. Uh, it, like you said, Steve, this, this kind of started in crazy town uh, in just like, why would they do this commercial? Like, why are these people playing with poop anyway? Like, what what's going on here? Um, but I, I really liked that. And it was just, it was oddly delightful to just go on this little ride with them. So I had a ton of fun with this. It was out there. And I'll say, uh, Sarah did a great job. Came in with a lot of energy. She wasn't scary at all. Um, I was very pleasantly surprised. I thought it was a breakout performance. Um, Aristotle, you know, not quite the big role, but it was, it was good to see him get a, get a little something there. And yeah, this was the show went out on a bang for me. I really liked this one. Uh, John, any thoughts on this 10 to one? Yeah. I thought this was great back half of the show kind of material. It's, it's the, the silly, absurd and, you know, gross and juvenile stuff. Um, sometimes that's considered really broad and you'd want that up front, but I don't know. I, this, this feels right for the end of an SNL episode. Um, I really enjoyed it. I liked the characters. Um, it was a, a good moment for Sarah Sherman. I felt like she was channeling a little Gilda Radner, a little Roseanne, Rosanna Dana, I think in that performance. Um, or maybe just New Jerseyans in general. I don't, I don't know, but what she was doing felt very <laughs> SNL. And I think that's kind of cool. Like to just say, Oh, you know, that, that, that's, that feels like that should be on screen on SNL. Um, so this, this kind of warmed my heart in a way. Again, anytime the featured players are, are getting their moments, uh, I'm always going to be a little bit warmer on it, but I, I was having fun with it. I thought this was pretty darn good to round out the show. Pretty darn good. All right. Well, that's the end of the rundown. Let's get into these, these big things. Moment of the night is up first. John, what is it? It's got to be uh, uh, our boy James debuting his Biden. Like that's That doesn't happen every season or even every decade. Like this, this... I feel like it's such a dialed in impression and he finds the funny in Biden's cadence and his exasperation and just his tiredness and his old manniness. Um, there, there was just so much working in it and for him to come out and just execute the very first second of, of his screen time on SNL, uh, that's impressive. And, uh, I just, you, you just don't see episodes or you don't see moments like that on every episode. So I don't know what else could even be in the running. <laughs> Fair enough. I, spoiler alert, I'll be giving James his due in just a moment. Sure. So I am going to go a different route for a moment. And uh, that this is actually something I forgot to mention just a second ago. But Chris Red as the mailman in the stool sample <laughs> sketch <laughs> was yep. fabulous. Yep. Um, just, I love how do you, Chris How do you Red out creepy so what's already happening? Yeah, he found it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And yep. I mean, just flawless. That was, I didn't, in no way did I expect the mailman to show up. And then he right. did, and he was just so creepy and hilarious, and that that really really stood out to me. So my that's my moment of the night. Uh, okay. Steve, what about you? Uh, good shout out there. I haven't been creeped out since uh, Bobby. I haven't been that creeped out since Bobby Moynihan's Ken Bone. Uh, so good for Chris. My moment of the night goes to uh, a, a part of the top the talking 
Is that what they called that show? Yeah, the, the view ripoff. Yeah, yeah. Talking. Yeah, the view ripoff. Uh, just that exchange about how to pronounce the Pope or the Pope or <laughs> who? Pope. Is it the Pope or the Pope? Well, I think it's just Pope. I can't keep up. Uh, that that delivery from uh, Ego. If I had to pick one Pope delivery, it would be Ego's Pope <laughs> doubling down on the just Pope Pope mm-hmm. or however she pronounced it. <laughs> uh, great, quick, blink and you'll miss it line that just made me miss a couple of seconds of that sketch because I was laughing so hard. Sure. A great moment. Yeah. All right. I, I like it when we all have different things. It makes it mm-hmm. makes it fun. Yeah. Let's talk about best sketch, John. Oh, you're you're coming back to me. All right, I thought I had another minute to sort this out, but you know what? I I don't think it's Every I don't think time. it's that hard. I think I'm going to give it to the cold open, and that might Whoa. seem odd because I didn't really give it high marks when we were talking about it. But I think what it did really, really right, aside from that great impression and just great debut that really helps make it exciting for me personally, I feel like sort of what Steve said, where at least going into it, they understood what it was going to be. And they stayed within sort of the confines of the original premise of him trying to pull together some unity within his party. And because they didn't go off in a bunch of different random directions, just because they had an impression ready to go and just kind of stuck with that and let it be uh, a little shorter, a little punchier, uh, just a little more focused and a little more on point. Um, and then on top of that, having really great character moments, um, I, I think that I think that that was the right way to start the show. I think that's pretty good for a cold open. Um, and so, yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, I think I'll go with that. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to give it to cars Four. Hmm. Uh, I just really had a good time with that. Uh, the energy was just so good there. All the jokes were landing. Uh, I could watch it probably three more times today and still be having fun with it. So cars four was the breakout for me. Steve, what are you going to give it to? Uh, Cars 4 as well. Mm. They just took a great opportunity and, uh, and ran with it. You want a, a, a proof of that? Just listen to the reaction to uh, the Lightning McQueen catchphrase when Owen first says right. ka mm-hmm. People go crazy. They cheer. I've never seen a single Cars movie, admittedly, nor have I seen any Planes movies, the beloved spinoffs. Uh, but, uh, you know, you don't have to. You just have to listen to that reaction to uh, Kachow to know that that is a beloved franchise for a lot of people. And uh, for them to just rope in all those fans, get them to, yes, I love cars, and then uh, just ruin cars forever was such <laughs> such a beautiful thing. You know, aside from all that, it was a fun, well-played sketch. And yeah, it was it was a great, uh, uh, great, Impression from from James Austin, and uh, yeah, even Mikey and Punky were were great as the straight men. Yeah, this was a really good use of having Owen Wilson there. <laughs> Let him be himself. O Town, O Town, good old O Town. <laughs> All right, well, MVP John, I'm pretty sure I know where you're going with it. Who is it? Oh, we're going back to me again, third time. Okay. Uh, well, I, I think I think James. I I'd, how? Yeah. So, uh, I. I we must be in agreement on this. Like when was the last time we had a featured player that debuted as strongly as that? It's, it doesn't happen every year. It's great to see it. And uh, it's just really exciting to see him catch his stride and just be given that much trust out of the gate. So yeah, I'll give it to James. Yeah. Uh, to me, there's only two people this could go to, mm-hmm. uh, Ego or James. Okay. And you got to give it to James. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> Ego wow. would give it to James. Yeah. Yeah. Like Echo even yeah. would give it to James. That's right. Um, just so amazing to see him in the first second of the show come out. And I mean, I'm sure my eyes just widened. Like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. um, it was it was just great. And then and then he was great as Larry the Cable Guy. It was great as that sportscaster. He just when they announced him, I I looked at his stuff. I was like, yeah, he seems good. Mm-hmm. No 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 crazy thoughts. No clear you know ideas for anything from me but after this episode i i'm like this guy has wanted to be on snl his whole life and he came ready to fucking play like yeah, i bet his he, he is stellar yeah he is here yeah. for it he walked into that meeting monday he was ready to go he knew what he was going to do and 
and he's here. He's made it. His dream came true and he's not going to mess it up. And he is, and he knocked it out of the park. Uh, stellar thing. I'm just, I'm so happy for him. I've never met the guy, but just <laughs> wow. Like you said, John, like the last three months of his life must just be right. unbelievable, unforgettable. Um, yeah. What, what a time. James Austin Johnson. Good job. Steve, are you going to make it unanimous? You know I am. <laughs> Who would have thought the Money Mart employee from Better Call Saul had such comedic <laughs> range and talent? And, right? Wow. Uh, yeah. This guy deserves to be where he is, and he has put in the work, and it is paying off. You can't fake that stuff. you got to put in the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to fight against all the nerves that one must have on their first episode. Having more expected of them than anybody on their first episode, I think, um, save maybe those like complete rebuilding years uh, mm-hmm. from like season twenty-five. Th- this is uh, this is a lot of pressure to put on a brand new cast member, and for them to brush off all that pressure and proceed to kill it, and, and not just once, but like three times in their mm-hmm. first episode. This guy just walked in and said, oh, hey, congrats on all your Emmy nominations. Um, Excuse me while I eclipse you in screen time in my very first episode. In fact, Kate, you can go home right now. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, he's he's making a splash. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, Lord Michaels can't even get off camera in time for uh for uh for certain sketches so yeah maybe this this fresh blood this youth is is <laughs> this is exactly what the show needs of course i give it to him yeah yeah absolutely solid choice uh couldn't be happier what a showing can't wait to see what what he brings the rest of the season and and the and the other two future players as well um uh really excited feeling really good about about these hires after this episode for sure all right on a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck. How would you rate this episode, Steve? <laughs> what, what happened to your order? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, I was talking to my mother today, and you know, we mostly talked about how good John's looking these days. But uh, she, uh, she we're just, we talked the woods about look good on you. <laughs> yeah, she she asked me, it's like, what do you do with your podcast? Are you going to give this one a railroad? And I was like, "That's the train wreck, mother." But uh, oh <laughs> I thought God, that was that's adorable. So sweet. <laughs> Are you going to give it to a railroad? Perhaps a a, a Reading railroad? But uh, yeah, no, this is not a railroad episode. I, I would say this is a great, uh, a good great, and uh, yeah, I'd say just a little bit of trading wheels doing a little bit of a wobble. I think that's the best, uh, the best metaphor I can make to explain why I don't go all the way classic. Because yes, we got ten new writers, we got three new cast members. You can see that fresh voice or hear that fresh voice in the show, but yeah, there's there's definitely some some buffing to do with them. Yeah, I'm gonna go with great too. Um, I thought a lot of really great stuff. There were a couple that I wasn't as warm on, but nothing that just didn't land for me everything was everything was good um i think should james austin johnson have the career that we all feel like he will have after this week you know who could know but if it does follow that trajectory then time time might declare this a classic um but as i stand right here i don't think it's quite there because there were just a few that i don't know weren't weren't over the fence for me um but a really solid episode. I, I left, you know, I watched it at a friend's house. I left feeling really good. I was like, I had fun with that. I'm I'm really excited to talk about that one tomorrow because there's not really anything, you know, I'm not going to have to be down on a bunch of sketches or anything. I can just be excited about what I liked about them, which is which is what I love. So uh, solid, great for me. Uh, John, I, I suspect you're going to land in a different place. Not too far off, actually. This This was a very even show. There was nothing bad in it, per se. Uh, but for me, there was also nothing that ramped up in the, the great classic, um, direction either aside from, you know, James really great showing and the introduction of a really good Biden impression. Um, so I won't say it didn't have any great moments, but I just felt like it was super even, but very, very down the middle for me. There were very few times where I felt like I was seeing something very special or, or, um, impressive, but 
when you factor in that this is a, a premiere episode and they're coming back off of a long hiatus and you've got new crew, uh, a lot of, you know, writing turnover happening. Um, there's, there's a whole lot, um, that could have very easily derailed this show. And the fact that it, it felt as even and competent as it did makes me think that it's, it's easily decent, but bordering on great for my money. I'm going to land on the side of decent, but I really think that this is a competent and um, a reassuring return to SNL. It makes me feel like we're in good hands. And if this is what we're getting out of a premiere, if we get the wind at our back and, and some of the writers catch their stride, I could see us having a few genuinely great episodes a season. And so that just makes me happy to see what's to come. All right. Well, a great premiere that we've discussed thoroughly. And that's a wrap. Thanks to John Murray and Steve Finn. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Grace Kogan, and Brian Clark. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on YouTube or wherever better podcasts can be found. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back in one week when SNL returns with host Kim Kardashian West and musical guest Halsey. But until then, this has been episode number 142 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm Catherine Coleman. That's my story. I'm sticking to it.